Reggae Uprising podcast family and welcome to another episode. Now if you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast it is all about connecting people of the African diaspora through wisdom, overstanding, inspirational stories all backed by a soundtrack of sweet reggae music. So what happens is each and every Wednesday we usually feature a new guest who shares their wisdom, their journey, their inspirations, their works alongside seven reggae selections. Because Reggae Uprising podcast is all about sharing our stories with our fellow brothers and sisters in order to uplift one another and connect with each other whilst keeping those high vibrations of reggae music alive. If you've been subscribing to Reggae Uprising podcast for a while, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your beautiful comments. Thank you for sharing these works. And thank you to all of the brothers and sisters who have been featured in these previous episodes. Speaking of previous episodes, we now have over 120 episodes of Reggae Uprising podcast. So if you are fresh and new to Reggae Uprising podcast, you have so much to catch up on. So if you're looking to get your daily dose of positivity, you've got plenty there. You can listen to us daily if you want that daily hit of positivity, high vibrations, reggae music. It is all there waiting for you. So please subscribe to Reggae Uprising podcast wherever you are listening. Also, you can subscribe to my website. So you can go to daniel.co.uk. So that's D-A-N-I-E-A-L co.uk the link is also in the description you can subscribe there you can get all of the reggae uprising podcast episodes there if you just click on podcast you can also subscribe and get to hear my original works my latest releases find out when my next performances are because as well as being the host of reggae uprising podcast i'm also a conscious singer songwriter yeah so if you want to check out those live gigs you want to see me live uh, you want to check out my original works, like I said, and everything else in between those previous shows that I did before Reggae Uprising podcast. So we have High Vibes Fridays. We have the original Reggae Uprising where you got me singing in all different languages to reggae music. You can check out all of that via daniel.co.uk. So again, that is D-A-N-I-E-A-L co.uk that link is in the description also if you'd like to connect with me all of my social media is there at daniel.co.uk alternatively if you're not a fan of social media you can go to the contact page on daniel.co.uk and get in touch with me there whether you want to feature in an up-and-coming episode or maybe you'd like to connect with me with some musical works or maybe a project which is for the upliftment of our community. Please get in touch either way. This week's episode is going to be a different format as has been for the past, how many weeks? I think three weeks now. Um, we've had a different structure to the episode. So we've not featured a brother or sister in the interview format. We have been focusing on our ancestors. So we've had uh, previous episodes that are all focused on our ancestors 
This ancestral series has all been the work of the ancestors. So we started with honoring our ancestors, followed by ancestral messengers, and last week, ancestral influencers. Its popularity shows us that we must delve deeper in celebrating our ancestors. So this week's episode is Ancestral Heartbeat, in which we'll be focusing on an integral, unshakable and subconscious vibration that speaks to each and every one of us. The drum. The importance of drumming for our ancestors and ourselves should be forever central to our being as it is part of our DNA and is such a guiding light for us to always find our way home. So you know we've got to start off with some music. So we will now hear the high vibrations of Devon Russell drum song followed by an excerpt from the testification theory of Roosevelt Shelton on the ritual of African drumming. Let's 
first arrival of enslaved Africans in the Americas, the enduring rhythms and styles of African-derived drumming continue to cross racial, political, and economic barriers to re-energize popular, religious, and classical music. Known as the oldest instrument in the world, the drum has its place in societies worldwide. But the sacred love and use of the instrument in Africa is unprecedented. As we've previously examined, cultural dances, music, the ritual beating of drums, as well as the use of masks to identify with mystical persons, spirits, or gods, all represent critical components of African religious practices. Also, according to traditional African beliefs, Human life is actively and frequently influenced by the following two types of supernatural powers. First, the personal supernatural powers, as represented by people's ancestral spirits. These spirits demand obedience to tribal traditions by their living can and also acts of devotion to deceased relatives through prayers, dances, and sacrifices. The spirits are often invoked to possess a learner, diviner, through ritual dances and the beating of drums. The impersonal supernatural powers, such as those of divination. These powers are used by people who have been trained in the practice of the occult. And again, the spirits are often summoned by the beating of drums. In our postmodern society, various methods are applied to fill this spiritual void. Some churches have adopted a new spirituality based upon dreams, visions, signs, wonders and prophecies by the anointed or prophets, or by psychological techniques of personal transformation. But there is also a growing number of believers who borrow techniques of spiritual expressions from Africa and the concept of African ritual drumming has become a veritable cottage industry in contemporary society. A Google search on African drumming reveals the multiple organizations that offer training courses and workshops on the subject. Drums in Africa are used as sacred instruments in healing ceremonies, in rites of passage, in naming ceremonies, on social occasions like weddings, on harvest parties and a celebration of seasons like rain after a period of drought. However, it's critical to remember that drumming 
always has cultural significance only in the context in which it is practiced. A number of investigators on the origins of rock music have often expressed the view that there is a connection between the so-called evil beat of rock music and certain forms of African drumming. They both have a psychological effect of brainwashing on people, as well as the arousing of strange feelings and wild passions. African slaves introduced this kind of drumming to North America. When people talk about African drums today, they often mean the djembe, which originated from its traditional home in West African countries like Guinea, Senegal, and Gambia. Nevertheless, the essence of African drumming is rooted in the concept that simple rhythmic patterns played on rattles, drums, bells, horns, and other musical instruments simultaneously form a dense mixture of polyrhythmic impulses and invite the active participation of each member of the community. Distinctions between performer and observer become blurred as the infectious rhythms demand that the body react. Regarding ritual drumming, why has the use of drums been recognized as being able to put people into spiritual trances throughout history? To answer this question, we must first consider the three rudimental rhythmic procedures that are often associated with African drumming. First, the use of a drum as a speech surrogate or a talking drum. These methods of playing were used for communicative purposes and often codes were used to be played over long distances for the sending and receiving of messages. It's important to note, however, that it's impossible generalizations about drumming as a whole, especially as a mode of communication, because every society in early Africa had its own unique fingerprints of sounds on the rhythmic beats they played. Put more simply, African drums talk by imitating the rhythms and tonal inflections of spoken language. Second, the use of both iconic and symbolic dimensions of communication within music and dance. Throughout many festivals in Africa, depending on the event being celebrated, drum beats are used to dictate the type of dance to be done by the listeners. For example, at the time of a birth of twins, there's a different dance done than at a birth of a single child, and the beat of the drum instructs the listeners to do the appropriate dance. Finally, and third, is a rhythmic procedure which is most commonly associated with what we refer to as ritual drumming because it allows for free-form dance and unlimited use of improvisational strategies by both the musician and, most importantly, the participants. Hence, we might even describe this experience as participatory drumming. In conclusion, it's important to recall that enslaved Africans generally needed to recast African musical practices into a form that was acceptable to their oppressors. In South America, Catholic missionaries enthusiastic for new souls sought syncretism 
between Catholic and Native religions, which facilitated a fusion of African traditional celebrations with those of the Catholic Church. North American colonial Protestants, on the other hand, tended to dismiss African religions and, at first, did not convert enslaved Africans, as conversion would have acknowledged the humanity and equality of these people. Here, African drums and other signaling devices were destroyed, and enslaved Africans began to take up European instruments. Ironically, these very enslaved Africans brought African sensibilities to both vocal and instrumental performances and formed and invented new musical styles. Both African-American and Afro-Brazilian music represent a triumph of the reinvention of the self, a transformation of culture, emerging from the cruelest conditions possible, that is, slavery, and resulting in their ability to maintain an African identity. The art of African drumming derives from the holistic oral tradition of drumming, singing and dancing passed down from generation to generation. Throughout Africa, different countries uplift certain drums as a central focus for celebration, ceremony, spiritual rituals, communication and healing. Some drums may be used only for certain ceremonies and certain people, which would be described as sacred drums. Whilst other drums may be used more widely throughout Africa, but may be given different names depending on where the drum is being played. There is a vast array of drums throughout the continent, so we are only going to focus on five in this episode. I offer a short introduction on each of the five drums, followed by the works of master drummers. As with all of the works featured within this episode and all Reggae Uprising podcast episodes, they are all credited in the description and used only for the education of people of the diaspora. So please continue gaining further wisdom of these works and the people featured after listening. Give thanks to all featured within this episode. And so we will start with the Jambe drum. It is said that the Jambe drum was created in West Africa by the blacksmiths, also known as the Numi people, and became popular across the west coast of Africa with the rise of the Mali Empire, 1230 AD. The blacksmiths make all the wooden and iron-based tools, such as the wooden mortar and farming tools. The story goes that the original jambe was an overused mortar transformed with the aid of animal skin stretched over the broken bottom of the mortar. If you have ever seen a group of women using a mortar all at once pounding the grain, you can hear their repetitive pattern and the jambe creation inspiration story. Jambes were not sold and only played by blacksmiths for ceremonies and special events. 
The first jambé skins were attached to the wooden shells with wooden pegs pushed through pierced holes on the edge of the skins. The skin was stretched, then heated with the fire just before playing. Initially, this was successful, but eventually the tension on the pegs would cause the skin to tear. So soon after, this problem was solved by replacing the pegs with animal skins rolled into a rope. This helped to prolong the life of the drumhead. This new method was so successful, it, ad- it was adopted by everyone across the Mandingue. The jambé's evolution meant that it was being played by people other than blacksmiths and went on to become a profession. Jambés are the instrument of dance for all occasions such as births, funerals, marriages, rites of passage and planting and harvesting of crops, all of which have their own songs, dances and rhythms. On these occasions, traditionally, two jambés and a dundun to accompany the griot. Usually women sing, clap and dance, taking turns at the centre of the circle. The djembe follow, or the djembe master, leads the pace of the song and dance, adjusting the tempo to each dancer or groups of dancers. A traditional song can last for hours and is played on most of these occasions. The jambé is said to have magical qualities and is full of life. Its life form consists of three spirits. The spirit of the tree from which the drum shell was carved. The spirit of the animal from which the skin came from and the spirit of the drum's maker. Each drum inherits the characteristics of each particular spirit, making it unique. Now we're going to hear the sounds of the djembe by Wedi Brahma.
Our second drum is the saba. Saba is unique to the ghoul of the Wolof as far back as the 14th century and maybe even earlier. It is a single-headed drum played with one stick and one hand. It is traditionally carved from the trunk of a mahogany tree and has a goatskin head held in place by seven pegs. The sabah drums vary in height, size and shape and each height has its own particular name. Sabah can refer to one drum or the entire sabah drum ensemble and is also used to describe the holistic experience of drumming and dancing sabah. In an ensemble, you can hear from 6 to 12 drummers. All parts come together to form a unified collective of polyrhythms. The sabah was used to communicate with other villages. They used different rhythms which corresponded to phrases and could be heard for over 15 kilometres. And now we will hear the sabah played by Ibu Fei.
merci beaucoup Facebook. Il a l'air mal. Jérédef. Au revoir. Our third drum to feature is the Bugarabu. This drum originates from the Jula people in the south of Senegal, the Casamance and the Gambia, the Jula Bulof, the Jula Fogni, and the Jula Kolunai. They are single-headed, made from cow skin, with an elongated goblet or roughly conical shape, which is usually placed on a single stand. Up until the last few decades, the Bugarabu was played solo, usually with one hand and a stick, but is now most commonly played in sets of three to four. The Bugarabu drum is sometimes referred to as the conga drum of Africa because of their similarities in tonal qualities. However, the Bugarabu is said to have a broader range of sound than the conga drum, which is influenced by the tuning preferences of the drummer. Unlike the modern conga drum, Bugarabu drums are still constructed in a mostly traditional manner. Now we are going to hear the sounds of the Bugarabu played by Bakari Diadehio.
Our fourth drum to feature is the talking drum. Talking drums can be traced back to antiquity, to the Bono people, Yoruba people, the Ghana Empire and the Hausa people. The Yoruba people of southwestern Nigeria and Benin and the Dagoba of northern Ghana have both developed a highly sophisticated genre of griot music centering on the talking drum. The talking drum is an hourglass-shaped drum whose pitch can be changed to mimic the tone of human speech. It has two drum heads connected by leather tension cords, which allow the player to change the pitch of the drum by squeezing the cords between their arm and body. They are traditionally made of wood and animal skin, usually goat skin, with leather cords for tension. The principal talking drum is called the gangan or dundun, which means sweet sound. <laughs> this instrument holds a very significant place in Yoruba folklore and culture as the source of history, proverbs, poetry and daily life. It is used in company of a supporting ensemble in which the whole talking drum family plays an important part in laying the rhythmic foundation for the lead drums to interact and talk in their environment. Now we are going to hear the sounds of the talking drum, courtesy of Ayan Bisi Adeleke. My name is Bisi Adeleke. I am from the Yoruba people of Nigeria where this talking drum is originated.
Our fifth and final drum to feature in this episode is the Udu. The Igbo people of Nigeria traditionally call all parts Udu. Traditionally, the Udu drum was only used for women's rites and ceremonies as women are the keepers of pottery and therefore more connected to the technology of pottery. Udus are clay vessels and traditionally have distinctive large vase bottoms with thin necks featuring a side hole and sometimes textured decorative patterns. The circular side holes are used when playing and crucial in producing the instrument's unique sounds. A combination of earth, water, fire and air has produced an extraordinary traditional instrument. They are part ideophone and also part aerophone, but not membranophone as it has no structured skin or membrane which produces sound. Its sounds are similar to watery bursts and sharp percussive notes. So let's hear the sound of the Udu, played by Joe, Agu, Maquinhu and Hugh Humphrey. We are now going to hear some words from Cornell Coley and his works on drumming and your brain, magic and science. I am a drummer and a drum circle facilitator. We do a couple of things. One is we carry around a lot of drums. This is not a lot. The other is when we teach drumming, when we, we facilitate, we don't teach drumming. We use drums to make people better. Sure, drumming is a lot of fun. It's actually a great form of recreation, which comes from the Latin word recreationem, meaning to recover from illness. So in this way, drumming is a cure. You might then say to yourself, a cure for what exactly? Let's go back. In 1950, Babatunde Olatunji came from Nigeria to Morehouse College to study medicine. But when he saw the extent of ignorance about Africa, he switched his life calling to drumming. After all, if W.E. Du Bois' talented 10th didn't know what was going on, what was the rest of America thinking? 
So he started the drum community drumming movement in America, and he recorded the first two albums of African drumming in this country. What I'd like to do is share some personal stories to help illustrate the benefits of drumming. First, toddler drumming. In the early 2000s, I inherited toddler drumming from Richie Goldstein at Spontaneous Celebrations here in JP. I ran it for eight years, every Saturday. To do that successfully, I had to study some things that might surprise you: early childhood education, alternative learning styles, songs in four languages: English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Yoruba, a Nigerian language. I studied puppetry. I studied fables, nursery rhymes, folk tales. I even studied Mr. Rogers. I didn't watch him as a kid. So I, 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 I took instruments, some of my favorite instruments, and gave them personalities. Now this is a guiro. This is a scraper that's Native American of origin, but you find it in a lot of places, especially the Caribbean. It's also Josephine. Hello, darlings. <laughs> Would you like to meet my children? Well, Josephine, her children, and I showed the little kids how to play with feeling and to play a rhythm that went with everything. Slow, quick, quick, slow, quick, quick. But not everything was rhythmical. Sometimes we'd use percussion in more esoteric ways and tell stories. It's story time, boys and girls. Once upon a time, in a land far away, there was an angry, angry girl, a shy, timid boy, a rabbit with his own drum. Well, the kids sometimes saw themselves in these stories, and we had a lot of adventures. Occasionally, got very exciting. But then, on the flip side, we turn it around, and using the Native American. Inspired buffalo drum, combined with the voice, we do some guided imagery. This led to altered states of mind. Not just good for toddlers, right? <laughs> so toddler drumming was fun. It was educational. It was cultural. It was social skill building. And what's not to like about making music on a Saturday morning with your family and community? I work a lot with teenagers. I work with Black and Latino teenagers, especially at Hyde Square Task Force, you know, a, a youth-oriented organization here in Jamaica Plain that uses culture and the arts to help build the youth up and also rebuild the community. And what we, my job is to teach Afro-Latin drumming and to teach community drum circles to uh, facilitate the community drumming together.、Uh, the kids. And I focus on、uh, learning the Afro-Latin drumming piece to perform, and I work not only on the content but on the process, the habits of mind. I want them to get transferable skills that they can take into the world. Things like seeking accuracy, drawing upon all your senses to get the information you need, modulating your impulses. Very good for teenagers, right? And perseverance, sticking with it when things get tough. Right now, we perform four rhythms right in a row, something like the Temptations' Greatest Hits, and they start with samba reggae from Brazil. <laughs> 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 
And then we go to from merengue from Dominican Republic. Then we go to Bomba from Puerto Rico. Bomba! And we ended up with uh, Conga de Comparsa, the carnival music from Cuba. It's a dynamic performance they're doing. It was a challenge to learn the instrument, the rhythm, the order, to learn about the history, which is important for them to know, and to be able to do the public presentations as a team, support each other before and after the performance. So they got a lot of positive feedback from the community. They are seen as a positive subculture, and they build their self-esteem and awareness of their own culture. Uh, they also attract economic support to the community, so it's a win-win. Well, for thousands of years, people have been using drums and rhythm to heal. Currently, there's a lot of scientific evidence that proves the benefits of drumming for health reasons. There are two major claims for therapeutic drumming. One is that it alters the way the brain processes information. Two is that it boosts your immune system. Now, you can imagine something that's fun to do. It's making music, you do it in community, and you have to leave the past behind, focus on the present, and don't worry about the future, that's going to boost your immune system. It's going to release stress and tension and anxiety. The science of it is that it activates the killer T cells, the white blood cells that the body generates to fight virus and disease, documented by Dr. Barry Bittman of Health Rhythms. The other things about the brain is we work on brain waves. Most of us live more in an alpha I'm sorry, a beta world. We live in a beta brain world where we're working fast, we're active, we're getting things done, we're multitasking. But the downside is that it makes us susceptible to feelings of anger, fear, and worry. We need balance, and we seek it. That comes with the alpha, the next lower brain wave state, a little slower. It is associated with feelings of calm, tranquility, uh, a state of uh, positive state of mind, which opens you up to more intuitive knowing, more uh, mind-body integration. Drumming doubles the presence of the alpha brainwaves, documented by Dr. Barry Quinn. More about the brain is that we have those two hemispheres, which everybody knows, the logical left, the creative right, and when they're pulsating harmoniously, through drumming and being exposed to drums as well as playing, the thinking and the feeling is more integrated 
So your thinking is improved and therefore your behavior. We look further into the brain and we find that there's synchronization going on when you're at an event where there's a drumming, there is movement to the drumming, and there's uh, important and relevant symbolism present. This happens with sacred ceremonies and religious events. And what that does is it takes the information that's processed in the lower part of the brain that's nonverbal, and it integrates it up into the frontal lobe where you're doing your thinking and where your personality is also developed. And this uh, solidifies your sense of certainty. It strengthens that sense, and it also deepens your understanding about what is true for you. So you could see that the ancients, the shamans, and the other ancient healers knew this thousands of years ago. Now we have evidence to back it up. Something that permeates the entire brain is powerful. And I'm talking about our sense of hearing, sight, smell, movement, speech. Well, they're all connected by the firing of neurons. And these neurons fire usually in rhythm. They're like rhythmic cues for thought and action. But they can be broken and even destroyed by disease, by trauma, by illness. And drumming and the sound of drumming and the continuous involvement with rhythm and drumming by skilled leader can repair these connections. So people have suffered from stroke particularly or Parkinson's disease, these debilitating neurotic illnesses or neurological illnesses benefit greatly when their treatment involves rhythm and drumming. But this doesn't happen on its own. As I said, you need skilled leadership. So leaders in drumming come in three basic forms. You may be one or all of them at any different time. They are the dictator, tells you what to do. The teacher shows you the right way. Then the facilitator, that's the best. That's what you want. That's where the entrainment happens. That's where the magic is. Ola Tunji had a dream. A drum in every American household. I say yes, a drum in every household. And places in every community where there's skilled rhythm facilitation going on to heal ourselves and the people around us. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. You've enjoyed the experts, those those audio sound bites to spark off your imagination, those vibrations from our master drummers that are featured, the words of wisdom about our history, and also obviously those reggae vibrations as well. Like I said at the beginning, all of the works featured are credited in the description. So if you want to go and find out more about these master drummers, you want to go and support their works, the music featured, you want to support those works, the sound bites that are featured, the, the two gentlemen that are featured in their words, please go and check out their works. If you want to go find out more about those five drums that we feature today. That would be amazing because that is what the purpose of this whole episode is to spark 
your wisdom, imagination into searching out more of this history so we can pass it on to the next generation as this is what Reggae Uprising podcast is all about. So like I said, all of those links, those people are featured within the description. So please go and seek them out and support their works. Also share this knowledge with our community, share it with all of the people that you know so that we can start a ripple effect so that this can continue. Share share this episode. If this has really spoken to you, please share these works, share this episode. And if you haven't already subscribed and you really enjoyed the vibe, please, please do so. Please subscribe wherever you're listening to Reggae Uprising podcast. And like I said earlier, you can get in touch with me also via daniel.co.uk. So that's D-A-N-I-E-A-L.co.uk. I am going to leave you with the high vibrations of Count Ozzy. Ethiopian serenade I hope you have a wonderful week make sure you're back here next Wednesday for a fresh and new episode as always blessed love Mm -hmm.